Welcome back to NerdGap. My name is Anil and I'm the host and creator of the NerdGap community. Thank you for joining me again. This episode is part two of the Snyder Cut discussion where Luke, Cham, and myself reconnect to discuss our thoughts on Zack Snyder's Justice League after we watched it. The first part of this episode is from before Zack Snyder's Justice League was released. So if you want to hear our thoughts before we watched it, be sure to check out that episode first. And without further ado, here is our post-Snyder Cut discussion. So yeah, this is the weekend after the legendary Snyder Cut here. And we've all had a chance to see it and we had a chance to talk about it before, which is great that we're able to even meet again to talk about after seeing it. So what I was hoping we can kind of do is kind of talk about how how we were able to see it and what the viewing process was like, because I know it was a little different for each of us. So Luke, why don't you start off? Sure. So I'm a dad and this is how these things go now. I sat down, I pressed play. I know I got about an hour and 16 minutes into it and I was loving every second of it. And then I woke up at uh, an hour and 48 minutes-ish and went, oh gosh, I gotta go put my kid down. And so I rewound it. Uh, to that spot where I definitely fell on asleep. And now I want to make it clear, it was not the movie. I was invested in the movie. It's just my body was like, nope, you're done. You're, you've been sitting for long enough. It's sleep time. So, yeah. And then I came back to it uh, the next day with Lauren in tow. And we finished from that spot onward. Did about two and a half hours for the rest of the movie. And uh, I enjoyed it. I think... She enjoyed it enough. Did you or did you not enjoy it, Lauren? It was a one-time watch. <laughs> you ended up watching it in, in two parts rather than six six parts. You So you watched it in two. Yeah. Yeah. It, okay. it goes by so fast. Like, it's, it is four hours, uh, which is why I haven't watched it again. Because it's four hours, though it doesn't feel like four hours at all. How about you, Chamath? How how was your view? What was your viewing process? Um, like Luke, I'm a father as well, but I'm not very good at the job or something. I guess. Um, <laughs> honestly, like I took I took I took half the day off. Um, I started it at one o'clock in the morning, thinking, yeah, you know what, I'm just gonna stay awake for the rest of the night. And I fell asleep during the Amazon sequence, and I was just like, okay, you know what? I'm, I'm going to take the morning to watch this movie properly. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, the, uh, so I, I started again in, in the morning. I did my fatherly duty and gave my son to his grandparents so that I could watch this movie. <laughs> um, sat down and I started it from the beginning. And I, I sat there, and I'm like... You know, I did start to zone out in certain areas. Like the, the first, uh, the first chapter wasn't for me. I know I didn't get really engaged into it until we hit the second chapter. Granted, the second time around, I just sat there and watched it all. I'm also like midway through a second, second time around, if you could call it that, because I'm doing it again with my wife, and she, we're we're currently at chapter five. But Luke, I totally understand doing it with my wife. It was like four hours is long, but I really like the the way that they set up the intermissions. It lets you kind of pause, do some work, kind of come back into it. I think they, I appreciate them doing that and setting it up that way so that it's easier to come back to. So, 
for myself, I'm not a dad, so I have all the time in the world. <laughs> I thought I would be the, uh, you know, the valiant type of uh, Snyder fan and stay up the night it was supposed to release. But I found out halfway through the night that it wasn't going to release at midnight. It was going to be released at 3 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for, for those of us here, at least in Toronto. So I looked at the time and there was no way I was staying up till 3 a.m. to watch a four-hour movie. So I decided to watch it the next day. And then I ended up watching it all in one sitting. And for me, it just felt like the time kind of just flew. You know, that it, it didn't feel like it was a long movie for me. And it, even though I, a lot of it is the same as the, the 2017 version, it kind of just felt like I was watching a different movie. But because of that partition that that it has, it was easy to sort of dissect. Like if I need to take a break, for instance, or go grab a snack, it was easy to do that. Whereas sometimes you, you don't know if like, you might be in the middle of a, a high tense scene and you don't want to pause it, you don't want to walk away because you're not sure what's going to come next. Whereas this, it gives you that opportunity. So for me, it was able I was able to watch it through and through the first time. I did end up watching a second time. Did you guys end up, uh, I know Tramath, you said you're, you're through a second, second time. <laughs> Luke, have you watched it a second time? I have not. Right now, uh, as Lauren is beside me, I've got it going on in the background. And so it's reminding me of stuff. So that's where I'm at. The next time I'll watch it is like on a sick day. I'll definitely, I'm going to be quick to put this on again. And I have been joking, not joking with Lauren that we're going to watch it again. And then she scoffs at me and walks out of the room like she just did. And... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then yeah <laughs> i sit here watching justice league and talking to you guys yeah so for for me i like i said the the four hours didn't feel like four hours for me Jamath, i know there were some parts for you that kind of felt like they dragged on or maybe you were too too familiar with maybe that's why it felt boring maybe but do you guys think that there was ever a possibility that this could have had a theatrical release because we know that if this was released in movies, like it released in the theaters, it, it would be a very different movie, right? There's no way. Like, I can't think of a, a movie that has been four hours that was released in theaters. Not even Lord of the Rings, I don't Lord of the Rings, when they did all three, when they released it, they did back to back to back showings. And it was the extended first two and then the re- theatrical Return of the King. So there, there, there's one uh, thing. Although there is no way the studio would ever let something that is four hours hit theaters. We are not in the era of Ben Hur anymore. Because even even at Return of the King, I think when we look at just that movie by itself, that was 201 minutes just that movie. So I mean, like some people could have just gone to see Return of the King, but this one is it's. From start to finish, it's four hours, right? My thinking is that if WB had not interfered and the events didn't play out the way that they did and we ended up getting this movie instead of the 2017 one, is it possible that this could have made it to theaters or do you guys think it would have gotten chopped up and split into two movies? I I honestly think it would have gotten chopped up. I think they would have probably broken it into two movies or the studio would have asked them to shorten it. I think if this was before we didn't get hit with COVID-19, they might have done like a like maybe like a one time showing for the hardcore fans to sit through it straight, uh, or maybe done it as uh, two parts and then a few months down the line, done a full full session in theaters if it was successful. 
-hmm. I'm kind of glad that we were able to get something like this through HBO Max. Uh, I don't think if, uh, I honestly think, man, if COVID-19 didn't happen and HBO Max wasn't something that was happening, we would have never seen, seen this thing. Like, this would not have seen the light of day. Yeah, I mean, one of the good things, I guess you can say, if, if at all, is that the streaming services have become wildly popular now because of, you know, everyone's stuck at home. And Zach even said in an interview that he doesn't think it would have been possible without streaming. He doesn't think it would have happened. There, apparently, there's, a, there's another version of this movie that is a little longer, apparently. has <laughs> a lot more that we haven't seen. So this... This isn't exactly the Snyder Cut. I mean, this is the Snyder Cut that we're allowed to see because I'm sure he has a, a whole bunch of footage, probably not as important to include in the movie, but maybe would be considered like deleted scenes if we were to ever get a DVD. I, I honestly believe that because there, there's certain parts to that. Like, I feel like there's another Joker sequence that we missed. Don't you guys? Like, doesn't it feel like there was something else that they, they wanted to show, that he wanted to show us that wasn't, that didn't make the final cut here? I mean, it's possible because I, I feel that just from following the story, I feel that they had, I think he spent something like five days filming that end sequence or that dream sequence with Joker, Jared Leto, that there could be some stuff that was left on the floor. Probably he felt wasn't necessary, but could be part of maybe like the extended scenes or deleted scenes that might be in the movie. I don't know. I would love to see more, but I don't know. What are your thoughts, Luke? I'm happy with this. I'll watch something that's longer, but more to see the little tidbits of extras. That would just be cool to see just in and of itself. I'm good. I, <laughs> this was a, like, I, now I've seen the 2017 and I've seen this one and there are enough similarities to make it like, okay, I see where they, where they parsed it all down. And even in this one, I was like, okay, we could like perhaps lean away from so much slow motion and then this would be three hours maybe yeah like can we do that zach get i get it you're captain slow-mo <laughs> there are definitely a, a bunch of scenes that kind of drag on i have one in particular that for me was a bit long which maybe with me asking you know how it felt to watch the four hours it just leads right into some of the criticisms around this movie. I don't know if you guys had a chance to kind of peek at some of the reviews. Some. With regards to the reviews, uh, what what have you read? Well, there was a lot of it thinks it's better than it is uh, that I read. And this the same kind of thing that we're harping on right now, that it doesn't feel like a four-hour movie, but it is. And that is just tough. It's a tough pill to swallow. I get the cuts they made and what was a travesty in the Whedon version of it. But, oh man, I, I'm sure we'll get to the cyborg thing uh, eventually. So I'm not going to jump there yet. Oh, but yeah, for sure. Like, oh, Ray Fisher deserves like so much better than what he's getting. Anyway, there's all of this imagery that Snyder brings to the table that we don't get to talk like we didn't get to see in 2017's version there were definitely some reshoots and some of them were pretty unnecessary in my opinion one of the things I want to go through some like I have six pages worth of notes here 
But with regards to the criticisms about the movie, I know you've, you've had a chance to peek at some, but I've actually gone and looked at, I think, maybe six or so different sources that have been pretty outspoken about the Snyder Cut not existing in 2017. And I just wanted to follow up with those same sources to see what they're saying about the Snyder Cut now that it does exist. And I wasn't surprised to see that they had nothing but negative things to say. So I, I made a list here and I just want to read through some of it and maybe we can touch on it when I'm finished. So I looked at Entertainment Weekly, for instance, who back in 2017, you know, reported a number of articles that aimed at shooting down the possibility that the Snyder Cut existed. And some of their criticisms for it now that they've had a chance to see it and have to acknowledge that it does exist is uh, that, you know, it's twice as long, uh, but just as bad. That was the headline for their article. And I had to pull out maybe four points. I, I, I've read them. Unfortunately, I had to read them from start to finish. Mm -hmm. But one of the criticisms from Entertainment Weekly is that this movie is a find the thing plot. And that the CGI looks pretty bad and Steppenwolf is boring as a villain. And that Darkseid is a wannabe Thanos. These are all things that I pulled out of that article. What would you say to... I mean, I, I have my... my like, I'll reserve my my input but the find the thing plot for instance like what do you think about that uh see the, that was rise of skywalker that is if you want a find the thing plot structure that's a MacGuffin chase um this i don't i didn't see that at all in this uh like what thing are they finding like they're assembling the team they don't bounce off each other as hard as they could have which would have been you know compelling Batman is not funny anymore. Very happy about that. Now, here's the... I have a massive problem. And I don't know if you're able... You are able to overcome it, Anil. Uh, is that I'm falling into the trap of comparing it to 2017. And I can't take this version just on its own merits. I found myself comparing it too, but comparing it in the sense that I was asking myself constantly, why did they reshoot? certain things like i thought that what they had already was pretty good if not better than what they reshoot like what they ended up reshooting i think you can't really compare it stylistically you can't compare it the tone itself they're two very different in that regard right that's very obvious from the moment you watch both movies but comparing it for me was more of like why didn't they keep this superman versus the justice league scene for instance this one that snyder did was far better than what we got. What we see, what we got, seemed to be a bit more comical. It seemed to be a bit more lighthearted. It didn't feel like a threat. Like I actually felt like Superman might kill Batman mm. in the Snyder Cut. Like I actually had that moment where it's like, "Ooh, is this where he goes bad? Is this where it happens? Like, is this?" Uh, you didn't get the line, "Do you bleed?" Oh, thank God. <laughs> well, they played it. I'm so glad it's gone. They played it for laughs in 2017. Uh, whereas it's vengeance in like Superman wants vengeance for what bats did in, in BVS. Right. And that, that I felt was very, uh, a menacing line and in Snyder's hands, um, it would have been far more impactful. I feel we're comparing, uh, just comparing and not taking this movie of its own merits. That, that do you bleed line? For me, yeah. it I, I found it as a problematic line in 2017 
because it meant that Superman remembered what took place. Whereas in the new one, him not, it, that line not being there, him not uh, identifying anything like that, just means he woke up, he was completely confused, not knowing where he is or who these people are. And his memory's not quite back until he sees Lois, right? Yeah. So he goes okay. straight yeah. to a, a fight or flight instincts kick in and he goes straight for the last thing he remembered. Well, the last kind of emotion he felt, which was anger towards this, yeah. this figure shaped like a bat. It just seems like in that moment, I felt like you didn't need it. You didn't need a throwback to that line because the emotion is there. The, the, the reaction that he's having right now is there. He's like, he's obviously angry at this guy. We all know why. Some people might be like, oh, well, he saved his mom. So why is he mad at him? But for me, it was just like, oh, shit, like Superman might actually kill him in the scene. So I thought, damn, this might be this might be it. This might be what we wanted all along. We wanted to see Superman snap. Right. But, you know, we got the lowest coming in scene and she wasn't the big gun, which is what I loved. I hated, absolutely hated that little Easter egg that they put in in the 2017 one because it tied up that little plot thread that they put in there with flash running back to say lois is the key and this is how they decided to use it but now that that's not how they used it they actually call back to that line later on in the movie when bruce is telling diana that he Mm -hmm. remembers flash from a dream and that he said lois is key and then she says yeah she is the key to superman every heart has every heart has a forget the wording that she used but she says everyone every heart has some so I, i like that they didn't throw the line away so it's still possible to use that you know, Lois is the key later on and not have it tied up in that scene where they bring her to stop Superman from killing Batman. And like, it explains why she's there, right? Because we see that mm-hmm. she's there every day. And then the day she decides it to be her last day going there is the day that all hell breaks loose. And she had a reason, like she had a purpose of being there, the purpose of saying like, it's time to move on. But then she can't because here you look up in the sky and he's back. Mm-hmm. I, I like this version much better. So I, I wasn't comparing, I, like I was comparing those scenes and there are a few others. There's there's so much that they reshot that I, I just couldn't, I kept asking myself why, why, why? But I can completely ignore the 2017 version. And in my rewatching for preparation for this movie, I did, I actually skipped 2017. I had seen it enough times anyway, but I, just recently rewatched Man of Steel, Batman versus Superman, the Ultimate Edition, and then now skipping the 2017 version and just watching this one, it just meshes well together. It fits. The pieces mm-hmm. fit for me. Uh, which is why I couldn't understand the criticisms that, that the movie was getting. And I don't know, Chamath, if you uh, heard the first wave, but basically the, the general consensus from you know Entertainment Weekly, CNET, GameSpot, is that, you know, it doesn't live up to the expectations. Uh, a lot of the feedback comes down to the movie feeling too long, which we, the three of us agree, we didn't feel that it was too long and that it doesn't add any more substance. But come on, like that whole cyborg sequence. Let's hold talk on, about hold cyborg on. Can I, first. Can oh, I can we please? Mentioned? I, I read the uh, Entertainment Weekly article and I read the GameSpot article. The GameSpot article mm-hmm. sounded like the guy read the entertainment weekly article and did his review um (laughs) in all honesty and and uh i think entertainment weekly was done by clark collins his article sounded like he watched like i did the first act or first chapter and then decided to write an article about the movie 
I, I honestly don't think Entertainment Weekly sat through the whole movie. Just because a lot of what he talks about is f- seen in the first, in, in the first like maybe two chapters, the hunt for the MacGuffin. Yeah, I mean I get it. It's the, there's three boxes, you know the bat, uh, the Stephen Wolf is trying to get the three boxes. I think this movie did a lot better at developing Stephen Wolf's character as opposed to um, 2017. The guy from Gamespot, total Marvel fanboy. Nothing against that. Marvel's amazing. You guys know Spider-Man's the best, right? Best hero ever invented by anybody. Greatest movie, <laughs> yeah, greatest movies ever. Uh, I like Spider-Man. That guy, he he has no he has no ability to uh, Mason Downey. He has no ability to look at something without bias. He is a Marvel fanboy through and through. Yeah. A lot of the stuff that he didn't like about uh, the Snyder Cut were things that you could say the same thing about Captain America's Winter Soldier. And he's wrote a, a glowing article about that. So, yeah, Mason Downey, if you hear this, you can suck a dick. Is, is this R-rated? Like, you can't. You, <laughs> like, you should not be a writer. There's... Yeah. I, yeah, it's, that's the thing. So, I, like, I read these articles and I'm like, wow, these guys, like, you're right. The Entertainment Weekly writer, that guy, I believe, the, one, the article I read was by Darren Frenick. He really nitpicked at some of like the silly things and he's the one who called dark side a wannabe thanos and i i i couldn't help myself i had to i had to message him on twitter i'm like how are they the same one of them is a god that killed his mother and is on the search for this thing that basically eradicates the will to like free will whereas the other one you know i don't know too much about thanos but can you can you when you look at thanos he's not there's a reason for what he's doing you can see him it's not quite black and white he does have good intentions he's going about it the wrong way dark side is a conqueror of worlds he doesn't care about population control he just wants the biggest army he wants the most control he wants to be the strongest he wants to be heralded as the strongest he wants everything it's dark side over everyone so it's a little, it's very different. The two characters are very different. And, and granted, our Snyder Cut and 2017, none of it really got into that and told us what the difference is between Darkseid and Thanos. Uh, Marvel did a great job as telling us what Thanos is all about. So for this guy to say Darkseid is just a DC copy of Thanos, they didn't really tell us anything for you to come to that conclusion. <laughs> well that's the thing right like yeah can't be thanos no uh, ball sack chin i mean we know we jack kirby created both characters right obviously dark side came first but there while there are some obvious similarities that you can compare and say oh they do this they both want this or whatever there's some distinct differences that make them uniquely different like the thing is dark side is sort of the dc big bad you know what i mean he is the dc big bad or among top five, I would say, top three even. But for these like critics who were writing about the movie, it just came off as either you're comparing it too much to your MCU, or you were thinking that this was going to somehow be a completely, completely different movie than the one we got in 2017, where we already know that the hardships that they had, which was, as you mentioned, Luke, they, they tried to cram 10 years worth of uh, MCU-style storytelling into one movie we already knew that was a hardship where they tried to introduce so many characters and so many you know setups for for spin-off movies we already knew that was a hardship 
to criticize the movie on those same things that you criticize the 2017 version of, we know that's the problem. We know already because you've already identified that that's a problem. But how was the movie itself compared to that 2017 one? Did you like it more? Did you not? These guys, they, they can't say that. And at the end of their reviews, they, you know, they give a letter grade and the common letter grade is like a C minus D, D plus, whatever. But then to have words in there that say, you know, dark side is a, a wannabe Thanos or Steppenwolf is, is just as boring as before, or uh, the GameSpot review actually says they actually go on a MacGuffin fetch quest. And I'm thinking to myself, well, I mean, there's three mother boxes. There were that's six what I'm, that's what I'm saying, so. man. That, that's why I, <laughs> guys, there's a reason why I don't like that GameSpot guy. Again, I'm just going to give everybody his name, Mason Downey. It was the worst written article I've ever read. I'm just going to go off on a tangent. Like, I don't know about you guys, but I can't deal with reviewers anymore. It's really hard to find a site that gives you a good review. No. Uh, a, a good, honest review. Because, like, um, yeah. one of my buddies who was trying to determine whether he was going to watch this movie based on the reviews... He was posting every review that kind of came out slowly throughout the day. And every time I open this, the bad reviews all sound the same. Almost as if, you know, they've all gotten together and read one guy's review who watched the movie. And because their boss told them they needed to put something on paper, they they kind of used the, the thesaurus to uh, make sure that it's not plagiarized and just write the same shit. Yeah, I mean, a lot of their speaking points for me, at least, yeah. were some nitpicky really nitpicky stuff i mean i one one of them and i, I literally i quoted it I actually i actually tweeted him right away these are two things that he said he said all we get in this movie is an over cgi'd gray bad guy who reports to another over cgi'd gray bad guy who reports to another gray over cgi'd bad guy and i'm like yeah it's called a hierarchy on apocalypse such a thing exists because dark side is basically a god he's a king you don't just speak to the king not even if you're Steppenwolf, who happens to be the, the uncle of Darkseid, after we learned that um, Steppenwolf had betrayed him and therefore had fallen out of grace with him, there's no way he's going to speak directly to Darkseid unless he has something worth or whatever uh, decide. And, and the funny thing is that is uh, valuable for him to say. And therefore has a motive. I'm sorry, guys. He has a motive in this one. In 2017... Yeah. No motive. Just showed up. I'm a big guy, bad guy with horns and an axe. And I've got to do stuff and be a bad guy for the Justice League. But in this one, he's trying to redeem his himself. And that's a good reason to like try and mess things up. And go on like these big quests. And kill a ton of Amazons. And kill and mess up Atlanteans. So, yeah. I'm a bigger fan of this Steppenwolf who looks way better than that whatever human-esque one was in 2017. At least, like, they're not pulling the punches in that he's cartoon. Anybody that have a job, don't they all report in a hierarchy fashion? Like, this guy's job is to go out and seek planets for Darkseid. Yeah, well, we learn... Steppenwolf has a debt to pay of 50,000 worlds, right? And he lands on Earth or he's called to Earth by the Mother Boxes, which has the ability to transform Earth into an apocalypse state kind of world. 
which is how they conquer worlds. So he comes here, he tries to conquer the world as he normally would. Let's assume he was doing this before he got called to Earth. And then the call to Earth came because the mother boxes were active. He shows up, starts doing his thing, realizes, wait, there's more, there's more information that I can share here. I've seen the the anti-life equation. I know where it is. Like that is something that you would pass on to the man himself. You know what I mean? But this guy's criticism was that they're just over CGI gray forms. And I'm like, well, he's communicating to them through a hunk of metal that's been transformed by the mother. Well, I, How do you expect? I them mean, to look? or what did he want them all to look <laughs> like, like humans? Like, what were you expecting from alien beings? Yeah. Like what, what was, well, you know, well, I what, would have much rather that you reported to a horse uh, sitting with a crown. Yeah. That, that would have made the movie better. Okay, now I want to see that. I want to see that. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm I'm sorry that Darkseid is not pink or whatever Thanos' color is. Purple, whatever. Like, you, know, <laughs> you know what I mean? And then another thing that he said that I was just like, no, I have to message him again. Like, I can't believe I can't get off Twitter today. Is he, and this is literally in there. You have, I'll send you guys the link if you want. He says, one of the big bads, his name is Desaad. The other big bad, his name is Darkseid. Both ridiculous names that should have been left out. And I'm like, what? That's their names. Like, what do you, <laughs> what do you, what is the criticism here? Maybe, maybe he wanted to, he wanted more, so more backstory. Maybe like an hour more of movie to explain to us why their parents named those guys <laughs> Desaad and Darkseid. Maybe if we had that, he wouldn't have wrote that, you know, like maybe. Oh, okay. That's why he's called that. These are the types of things that are being written about the movie. And these are some of the criticisms that are being spread online. And these are the people that are perpetuating this sort of divisiveness with regards to the DCEU. And, and, you know, I I can't even say there's a DCEU anymore just because Mm -hmm. for me, I feel like this Snyder cut was sort of it. This was the last hurrah for us as far as this universe goes. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, this is this is the period. Uh, there are too many, there are so many places they could have gone from here. Like the introduction of Martian Manhunter, you said that Jon Stewart was supposed to be the one who shows up at the end. Uh, and that would have been dope and thrown off so many different ways. Deathstroke finding out that Bruce Wayne, the Batman is Bruce Wayne. Oh my gosh, there's the Batman movie that Ben Affleck was going to direct and we were going to have another Batfleck and that was going to be dope. Yeah. I, I do yeah. want to jump on this this train uh, and that I feel like Marvel has brainwashed all the critics. If it's not Guardians of the Galaxy, then it's no good. Don't get me wrong. Endgame was just one of the biggest movies of my life. Like, holy crap. 23 movies, 10 years, da-da-da long time tons of hours and it was beautiful and the sad thing is snyder was trying to shove all of that in to however many hours and like he's not going to be able to do that right you feel the stakes in this one like dark side looms large especially with the stare down at the end of the movie like whoa oh geez steppenwolf seems you know powerful enough (laughs) and like you know it gives the justice league enough trouble 
And oh, I wanted to ask just as a funny little side here. So I just saw the uh, anti-life equation moment where Steppenwolf hits the ground and then the anti-life equation just materializes there. That's a cool addition and could have been an easy nugget to leave in. Like the cutting room floor, it's baffling to me for the 2017. Like you want this to be a big jumping off point for movies to come. So why wouldn't you have that part in instead of Batman wincing and getting fixed up by Diana? I think a big part of it is that they, they definitely didn't want to pursue a sequel after that movie. I think they had known at that point that they weren't going to do that. And you can tell because they had cut Darkseid out of the movie entirely. So why have a villain who has a motive if you're not ever going to touch on that movie? But funny enough that that's being said, they are actually doing a new gods movie. So we are going to get new Genesis. We are going to get Apocalypse. So I don't know. You're right. I don't know why, if they were ever going to build to that, why they wouldn't just include that as a little Easter egg for the fans. Question to both of you guys, because mm. I, I can't, I can't watch 2017 again. Mm. I refuse to. Uh, that movie was just so bad. Was there a sequence in that where Stefan Wolf shows up and slams the floor and finds something, or did they just cut it completely? They cut it. Yeah. And it was, it wasn't actually. So if you, if you remember from the the Snyder cut. It, Steppenwolf doesn't actually find it. It's a vision that's given to him from the mother box. He has two out of the three he touches in, and then he gets that vision, you're right, where he slams the ground, and then the anti-life equation shows up. I want to spread some love about this. because Yeah, I mean, I've got, a, I've got a number of questions here, but I, we briefly touched on it in the beginning with regards to one of the key, key, key differences in this movie, which is sort of the exploration of Cyborg's character. Yeah. And after watching this movie, and I, I think you guys are probably on the same page where I can see where Ray Fisher had an issue with some of the reshoots and had an issue with the 2017 release and was so vocal about it. Cause man, his character in this movie is so good. What did you guys think about that? Honestly, like there's a whole side to this movie that I, that I missed stemming from ray fisher's watching his character development the uh the little montage of him controlling cyberspace while his dad's speaking to him like we we start the movie with this this concept of a, a united earth man people from the sky the gods the amazons all of this cyborg is literally a combination of man and the people from the sky he's fully capable of destroying this world he's got everything in his he could either destroy it financially he could either destroy it with a nuke or a couple of them launched all that power in one hand all that sadness all that depression and the weight the ability to overcome all of that and find a reason to do good in this world man you don't really need to tell me much more about this character to, for me to understand what kind of person he is there's, there's a really, really good line during that kind of montage that you're referring to where he's listening to the tape recorder of his dad speaking to him. One of the best lines about that character, it kind of sums up and explains that character's biggest ability and also that ability being sort of like a crutch. His dad is telling him the challenge won't be doing it. The challenge is going to be not doing it. 
because he has now the ability to make all of these decisions, the networking and through all like the computer programming and all that stuff. He has, he has the ability to do it all. You know, it's not a challenge for him to do it. He can easily do it. The challenge is going to be not doing it. And that's the thing that calls to the hero, right? It's like he has the ability to, for instance, they show you that that little sequence. And I, I thought it was actually kind of touching. I like that sequence a lot, which is where he sees the, the struggling mom who's like, uh, she works in a diner and, you know, she's barely making ends meet. She's got kids to feed, all that stuff. And she's just struggling, right? That's an everyday relatability kind of thing. You know what I mean? That's something he can see. You know, he's like a living Skynet, right? He can see everything. He can see people's lives unfolding. There's so much that your online personality and your finances and everything that we've done in this world can say about you to someone who knows nothing about you. And that is what Cyborg has the ability to do, is he has the ability to to see things that we don't normally see. And he can predict the next market failure. He can predict, like, you know, he can do all these things. And it's not a challenge for him. The challenge is going to be whether he acts on them or not. And that's like, you're giving this kid the ability to, to basically manipulate the world. And like, we did not get this in the 2017. Why would you ever cut this out of the 2017 version? And it almost feels vindictive. It almost feels like they went out of their way to, to, to water Cyborg down for that movie. I think it was, I think it came from a space where yeah. it was like, where it was kind of like this, uh, this movie's going nowhere. After this movie, everything is done. We're just going to restart everything. Let's not really waste too much time focusing on this guys. And let's cut the, cut the movie by this many hours. I think that's where it honestly came from. I think the studio was just kind of like, yeah, just let, let's just wrap this up and let's move on. Here's a guy. Here's another hero. He's a cyborg. Cool. What was it like for you, Luke? How did you? I was, was cyborg in... one of your highlights? Yes, by a lot. I was entranced by all things cyborg. Born of tragedy, just tragedy. Like his mom dies in this car accident. He gets messed up and mangled and just barely kept alive. And then he gets touched by the mother box, who was too scared to wake up because Superman was around, which was fucking dope. Anyway. But, like, I've been thinking about this, and just in a sentence, I want to, like, this movie could have just been called Cyborg's Origin Story. This is his movie. And Ray Fisher was right, like, to be like, screw you guys. Like, I, I'd take that stand, too, if I were him. Like, this is his movie. There's no solution without him. There's, they didn't know that there would be a problem without him. He's the reason they can bring Superman back. He's the reason they, you know, he's the catalyst for all of this. He's not a MacGuffin. He is the solver of problems. He's the one who's galvanizing the uh, Justice League and the reason why they can have a plan of attack and save the, uh, save the whole thing. So he's the true hero of this. Like, not Batman, not Wonder Woman, not anybody else. It's him. This is his movie. And it sucks that he got cut out of the 2017 version. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like this version definitely paints him as a much more integral part of the story. For me, you're right. For me, it was definitely Cyborg and Flash. That It's the two of them that really saved the day here. Maybe we can jump into some of my questions. But basically, I guess the overall consensus from the three of us is that our initial reactions after seeing the movie is pretty good. Like, did it did it live up to expectations for you guys after watching it the first time? At the end of it, when the when the credits roll, how did you feel? Like, what was the 
what were the emotions you guys were feeling? It summed up a story that started with Man of Steel. Everything that they questioned in Man of Steel, anything that was questioned in BVS, they closed that circle there. And then he gave us this great peek as to what he wanted to do from there. And I'm glad that he gave us that peek because it's important that fans know that there are uh, directors and producers out there that are willing to do fan service. This movie was fan service. This movie was made for fans. If you're a casual fan, you need a fan with you to kind of explain a few things to you as the movie goes this was something made for fans and as a fan of the dc universe uh, i'm very happy with what i was given at least this time i was very disappointed back in 2017 i was just angry about it and that's a marvel fan uh, that, that's me a marvel guy <laughs> that's awesome luke what was your you know after after the credits rolled after it said for autumn you know what was what was oh, going through? Uh, mine was what the fuck to the nightmare sequence, and actually it's on right now. This shot where it's going to linger on her pregnancy test. Mm-hmm. So as I said, that's this is going on in the background right now, and there were just so many wonderful dangling pieces. I was just like, where's the rest? I want the next movie. I want the next movie. Let's get it up to Nightfall and then see how they can get themselves out of that. It's so good. There was just so many well done, like nuggets. They're just sowing the seeds. And oh man, I almost cried when I saw like the picture of his dad tucked into his like dead arm. Oh, oh, that was brutal. Yeah, no, when it was all said and done, I wanted more. I want this tone. I am such a big fan of this tone. Dark and gritty, sure, whatever. Let's I don't want it all bubblegum and the only one that the only Marvel that wasn't bubblegum was WandaVision and I think in our preview I said WandaVision was amazing because it was all about just grief and how like Marvel had never never tackled that even with the terrible like blip where for 5 years everybody was gone for five years everybody was gone that's tragic and and like they touched on it but not to that level of grief and i was i love this tone and i want more of this tone and because i'm getting marvel fatigue so yeah yeah we could we could talk about the tone for a sec because one of the things that i noticed and I, i i bet a lot of these reviewers probably haven't even considered is that when you compare the tone of Zack Snyder's Justice League to Man of Steel and Batman versus Superman, it is definitely a shift, a, a slight shift away from that tone in terms of being too dark, too heavy. There is humor there, but it's not that that MCU style of humor. It's like it's the appropriate kind of humor that is fitting of the characters. For instance, Flash bumping into Aquaman during the Superman fight, and it just being like Aquaman staring at him like very, very like <laughs> angrily, which is hilarious because Aquaman, at least my Aquaman, is a very angry man. He's not a happy dude. And then you've got Flash, who's like the kid of the group. Even when he's, you know, even when it's not Ezra Miller, let's say it's Grant Gustin, for instance, he's sort of the young one, right? In the CW, for instance, Arrow is sort of like a mentor to him, right? Like he's sort of learning from them as you know what to be a hero and all that kind of stuff but 
Barry is always, he's always been the comic relief. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's always been the the, the lighthearted funny the, guy. The Flash has, yeah. Uh Wally yeah. West in in Justice League, uh the, the animated version, he was the uh the comic relief. And because he's the comic relief, I had uh, my wonderful wife Lauren keep saying fucking Barry. Yeah, do one thing right. <laughs> one job. And let's go fast. Tripping all over. What uh what were some of the like I made a list. I don't know if you guys ended up making a list or not, but I actually made a list of um some of the, the specific differences. Like did you guys spot a lot of the differences? Um did you like them? Did you not like them? What were the ones that kind of made you think like why why did they even change that? Like were there many of those for you? Well, I lamented the uh, in in our first conversation. It's like I knew it wasn't going to make it through. I knew it was a Whedon thing. The the John Williams score queuing in when he showed up to beat Steppenwolf and stuff. But mm-hmm. to be fair, the moment where Soups steps in and just like takes the axe blow like it ain't no thing, and then blows on it and flicks it and destroys the axe, that was pretty metal. Oh. You see, the thing that drives me crazy here is there are Easter eggs galore through all of this. Right now, I'm watching Darkseid stab the Atlantean as the mm-hmm. cyborg sees all of this. This scene right here, Darkseid is standing over and putting his hand on uh, Superman as Superman uh, was holding a body that was crumbling in the back cave because the Robin's uh, suit is out in the background. I got that from New Rockstars, not uh, not my own poll, uh, which blew my flipping mind because that means that's what that could have been Lois that was dying. Uh, and it's one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. It, it's Lois. Yeah. I can tell you right now, it's Lois. <laughs> yeah, that's messed up. <laughs> and that's when. And the Atlantean, the Atlantean that he uh, that he stabs is actually Arthur. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So if you remember, there's a little there's a little teaser that came out that was just a mother box. It, it was on YouTube for maybe I don't know a few days before the release. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a mother box, and on the mother box, because it, it has the ability to sort of change form and stuff, on each side of the mother box is a hero, but in the style of like an ancient painting from history, by like you know I don't know uh, Leonardo or like uh, sure yeah. Raphael or Michelangelo or whatever those, or those artists. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> the Ninja Turtles. They're posed in those kind of poses, but each one is a Justice League member. They're actually dead. And one of them is Arthur. The other one is uh, Batman. There's Wonder Woman. And then we do see that in the movie. Like we do see the sort of flash forward. Cyborg has a, a, a glimpse of what might happen if they go through with this. And then they see that the heroes actually died. And so we do get a glimpse of dark side coming to earth killing arthur killing diana well we don't see him kill diana but we get the sense that she died as a result we know lois gets killed and then that's a very big turning point for superman so we get a lot of that like foreshadowing we get a lot of that teasing and one of the things that i I actually pulled out from that scene if you guys remember in the 2017 cut when flash is running through the spaceship to build up the charge so that they can um, jump the the mother box when it hits the water so that it can wake up Superman. He touches it in time. 
But if you remember in the Zack Snyder cut, when he's running, mm -hmm. you actually see a little bit of foreshadowing there as well that comes later on in the movie, right? It actually goes into the water and then it comes back yeah. out. You said it it's funky. Little, it gets like, like yeah, funky so with time of... sometimes if I go this fast. And then it, all of that happens and it looked like it didn't click that he was time traveling at that point, but like you saying it and me watching it literally as you were talking, go I go, mm -hmm. Oh yeah, there. Yeah. Sorry, I, again, I just have it on in the background so that it'll cue yeah. uh, things for me. There was some foreshadowing because I remember when I originally watched the 2017 one and then I saw this one, I thought, wait, it's supposed to go like, what's happening here? It, it, it did touch the water, but in this time uh, or in this Zack Snyder cut, it touched the water. He didn't make it in time, but then you see it kind of reversing. Mm. And then we get that beautiful sequence at the end, what I'm going to talk about. But for me... One of the things that I like or noticed as a big difference, aside from the illustration between the tones, because you do see a bit very big color difference palette that they use in the 2017 cut versus the Zack Snyder cut is very different, which is probably something that a lot of people hated, but I personally like. One of the differences that I noticed is that, for instance, we meet Cyborg and the Atlanteans right after Superman screaming, which is something that didn't happen the literal next shot after Superman gets stabbed is it pans out across the world. You see Lex Luthor and all that stuff, the stuff footage we've seen before. But we end up seeing Cyborg. Oh, sorry, we see the Atlanteans first, and then we see Cyborg. And for fans, like Tramath was saying, if you're, if you're a non-fan or casual fan, you're sitting there watching, you're like, what's going on? <laughs> like, who are these people that we've never seen before? Then there was that very long opening in the Whedon cut with you know the world basically being racist where the, the guy is attacking the shop owner mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. some reason I don't know if you guys remember that little montage in the beginning where they had the credits rolling then another difference I noticed I actually was kind of glad that this was gone and I didn't notice it at first but then realized it wasn't there is the mother box in the 2017 version there was a mother box painting in the village when Bruce Wayne goes to find Arthur and he says, I'll pay you 25,000 or something like that. If you can tell me what the boxes are like, just that mm -hmm. little stupid, like why would they even have the paintings of the box? <laughs> you know what I mean? There was a scene in the 2017 version where Bruce and Diana are taking a nice leisurely walk through the woods where she's explaining to him all about dark side. And we don't know why or how she knows about dark side. Um, that's gone. One of the things I love that they took out, I love that they took out, but love the reason that, like, I actually like that yeah. anymore, is oh, the Batman you. and the Flash pep Thank talk. you. They I don't know how did you not make that. the Flash a coward. For all of the the, the fuck-ups that the Flash does because yeah. of comedy, um, uh, they did not make him a coward. Barry Allen has never been a coward, like comics or otherwise. He's awesome. He's a very stand-up guy. Yeah. Get anyway. That line is actually replaced. So that whole, you know, that that line where he says, you know, you guys seem ready to do battle. I've never done battle. I just push people and run away. That whole line is replaced with, man, I really, I really miss Superman or something like that. And then we find out later on, yeah, that he says to yeah, Cyborg, that was nice. you know, Superman is his hero. Then we have which was sort of a moment that I liked from the 2017 version that wasn't in this one that I didn't miss, which was the the debate over the resurrecting of Superman. 
So if you remember in the 2017 one, there's some mm -hmm. people in the group that were pro resurrection and some that were anti resurrection and some were neutral because they didn't have a, an opinion on it either way. And that was a big sort of point of contention for them. And, you know, they had to kind of come to some sort of agreement. And then that's where Bruce actually kind of provokes Diana. But it kind of didn't seem like it fit, right? Like that seemed kind of like why even, you know, fight about this um, when you guys know that you can't take on Steppenwolf, for instance. Like there's clearly a need for Superman. Yeah. That resurrection debate. This one had a little bit of a... Uh of a question as to you know should we do this and then the answer was well we can't really beat him without him i, I really like the line the atlanteans and the themiscurians share that uh to bring back a life you need to give up something or what's the exact line there i'm so so glad that you brought that up i'm so glad you brought that up so i actually wrote it down let me just get to my pages here and it was something i was gonna bring up later on but we can jump into it now while they're digging superman up it wasn't just Barry and Cyborg there. They were all there. And while Barry and Cyborg are digging, Diana and Arthur are having a conversation. And he says to her, you know, in Atlantis, we have a saying, don't take from the shadows. And then she finishes it by saying, not without giving one up in return. After that line is when we saw Cyborg's vision of things to come. And mm -hmm. when Superman's resurrected, we get another line, which also, again, comes up as a throwaway line or could be something else, but the Zod's ship's computer says the future is now set in the past or in the present. The future is now set in the present. Oh, so, you, yes. 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 So, you, you remember. Yes. Yes. I wrote that down too. I have the exact line here. Let me tell you. He says here. So when flash hits the water or sorry, hits the box, the actual yeah. ship says this future is now taking place in the present. I only wrote that down after my second viewing because I realized because I wasn't paying too much attention to the dialogue as much because I figured, you know, it's more or less the same as from the first. But when that scene was a little different with Barry running, I thought, oh, there's something different about the scene, which is one of the things, too, that I, I had to do, like rewatch a scene because my sister and I were having this debate and I thought it was so silly to have Lois ask when they go to the farm. Hmm. She says in the 2017 version, she says, you smell good. And then he says, did I not before? But then, thank God, they changed that line back to the original version of that line, which is, you spoke. Because up until that moment, he didn't speak. He just came back to life and went on his little rampage. And then that was the first line he had with her, which is, you brought us home. Or you brought us back to the party. I forget the exact line, but her line changed from, you smell good, which is such a stupid line, to, you spoke as in she's acknowledging that he's cognitively there now like again that was like a head scratcher like why would you ever yeah. change this yeah the point i really wanted to make was <laughs> batman's change in attitude uh is that now he is dark knight of faith and that he has faith that superman will you know be good and this is juxtaposed to his Batman versus Superman Batman, which is a knight of reason. And that takes him apart and away from Lex Luthor, who is nothing if not completely logical. And this is 
hitting me in all the philosophy parts because Kierkegaard talks of the night of faith as being the best that humanity can offer. And in Nietzschean terms, he wants humanity to become the bridge to the Ubermensch Superman. And that means making yourself as best as possible in mind and in body and in everything that you do uh, in order to one day get to be so we can become Superman. And so Batman is the bridge to the Ubermensch uh, in Nietzschean terms. And he's mixing in a little Kierkegaard here and being the knight of faith now and believing that Superman is the right thing to do. And that's why we bring him back. So, yeah, hit me in my philosophies, which was pretty cool. For sure. It, 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 like, there is definitely a lot of like resonating sort of deep concept, thought provoking things about the movie that for me Batman's shift mm -hmm. in personality was a very welcome one for me where it's like he's no longer this like you know we have to kill the alien he's more of like that's huge you have to have faith I, I like that you brought up brought up faith because there's a lot of religious imagery that happens during this during at least Nider's run in the three movies like I, it's funny because I think you sent the you sent sent out the perfect meme of the the three movies and how superman is portrayed almost in like a jesus style image yeah he he likes his imagery for sure and he likes his biblical references and i've i've sort of spotted them throughout his like entire filmography if you want to call it that but yeah i mean superman is his jesus character he is like he is he is what the human race is at least in the in the society is looking for right they they need that that person and like i i wish they kind of went into that a little bit more at the start of the movie kind of like how the world has deteriorated with the loss of superman i wish they i wish they really did because that would have you know that would have spoke more to uh what we get towards the end where man martian manhunter comes in and he's like yeah i want to i want to join the team or whatever he says like it, it would have been like okay there's a reason why these heroes are stepping up because they've seen what the world would look like without without that savior if i if i could have gotten anything else than cgi bad amazons i would have loved to see like the world just in turmoil wars breaking out without somebody to stop them uh, massacres like if we could have gone back to i think it was bvs yeah. where superman shows up and saves somebody from a flood was it bvs yeah yeah so like the reverse of that where there's a flood or a nuclear fallout and like no one yeah. is saved yeah because the this this hero that they had isn't there anymore i would have liked to see something like that that would have really kind of initiated that i, I at least built up more of that need for uh, a table that has six chairs mm. yeah i think it jumps to one of the the things that because we know that we're going to be some spin-offs, right? Like we knew that they were going to eventually get to some spin-off movies and we're still getting some of them actually. Uh minus the Cyborg movie because you know Ray Fisher now. <laughs> but for did you guys have a, a favorite a favorite moment throughout the 4 hours? Was there something that you know you could take away from the movie that it, as you look back on it and say yeah, this was my favorite thing about the movie Man, and so is, many of those made it for me? Like <laughs> bro, so many moments. Um Darkseid's hand on Superman's shoulder to cons console him. You know, the last podcast I I said what I want to see is Superman kneel, kneel in front of Darkseid. But man, was that was that better? 
never expected that that was that was a that was amazing to see um the conversation between batman and the joker in the epilogue buddy oh man like just closing off stories mm-hmm. but most of all um what this movie started with a call out mm-hmm. to everyone coming together uniting as one and you know the and i didn't come to this until i was watching the movie again with my wife so uh, t- round two and a half the the fact that you know you have aquaman who's the, who's this half human half atlantean diana who's who's half human half god cyborg who's half human half alien tech the flash who's technically half human half god because he's apollo technically used the speed force in the dc universe to have his speed uh superman who is this alien protector who who you know the protector from the stars because we didn't have a green lantern in this movie but he fulfills that role as the protector from the stars that lives on earth but not only that but he was raised as a human so like to bring all these races together and you, and they all have a sense of humanity towards at the end that's what came together to stop this great annihilation or at least to open the door that is going to become this great annihilation that was pretty cool the one scene that kind of stuck out for me as being the the best thing from this movie is the flash scene and that's the scene where he's running around in a circle he's trying to build up that energy so that he can he can connect cyborg to the unity and he gets shot in the leg or i think you know he gets shot in the side of his um, abdomen or something and he's trying to build up the force again like the speed force again and the line he says you got to go fast barry you got to go faster than ever before you got to break the rule and when he said that oh man did I have shivers? I had shivers because I like the thing about the Flash that I love so much is that he has the ability to travel through time. And him saying this line, you know, we've got to break the rule. Technically, he could be talking about breaking the rule of the speed of sound or speed of light. But I took it as he may, meaning that he has to break the rule as in he has to go back in time and change things again because he, he might have already tried. And when he said that and you see him running f- towards cyborg as they failed because as they as he got shot in his abdomen um cyborg says you know it's too late and then steppenwolf says he's here and then you get the sense that oh shit they actually lost and i thought that's where this movie was going to end but then with flash running through the speed force that moment was just so flash for me and i was like yes this is perfect this is everything i needed forget everything else i needed this because i want to see this i want to see that flashpoint paradox storyline i want to see that happen and i feel like him changing things here him saving the day by running back in time and you see superman rematerialize you see cyborg rematerialize because the unity no longer exploded or whatever the case may be so you know he changed something how about you did, yeah well? like, the Ooh. stare down killed your guy a favorite one sent him back through cut off his head and oh. you just crunched him and then they're just staring down it's like what next you move no you move what's up that was sick that's my spot 
dude the first time the first time around i'll be honest i missed the martian manhunter yeah. scene where um what? Where, where where what's her name turns uh clark's mom oh, why Martha. is his name not what coming is her up name? what is her name oh my god huh. what is what is her name i gotta watch bps again i can't remember her it's, name. it feels important <laughs> when martha turns into the manhunter because I completely like they were talking, Lois and uh, Martha were talking. And I was just like, "Yeah, this is an opportunity for me to go do something else." <laughs> <laughs> so I had the audio on, but I wasn't really paying attention to the screen. Uh, but the second time around, when I was watching it, I'm like, "What? Oh, that makes a lot of sense." So yeah, here's my thing. I I really, really, yeah. really like that scene until we yeah. find out it's. Oh, no, thank you. Like I, I thought it was really, really good. I understand. Yeah, I understand why um, they kind of included it, and the reason why I think the ending, the last shot of the movie, um, doesn't stick the landing as much as maybe he thought it was going to be, is because we see Martian Manhunter already in the beginning, right? We see him in that scene with Martha, and I think this is my theory, but I know that Zack Snyder had shot a Green Lantern scene with Jon Stewart, the character Jon Stewart. But WB, as much as this is the Snyder Cut, WB had some, you know, strict restrictions on what he could include and could not include. And one of the things that he could not include was that shot with Jon Stewart. And that might have something to do with their Green Lantern series coming out later on, on HBO Max. But I think that scene at the end where Bruce has, you know, he wakes up from the nightmare. I think that was supposed to be the Green Lantern scene. And they had shot it twice. Maybe they had shot it with uh, Manhunter and they had shot it with Green Lantern. I think because of the restriction, they ended up going with the Martian Manhunter one. I could be wrong, but it just felt, it felt like that because we saw Martian Manhunter revealed in the Martha scene, which for me, again wasn't the best way to introduce that character because why would you take away from the importance of the scene it was so touching to have martha and lois have this like you know this little conversation about she the, the line she says is you know she sees people talking about him like they knew him she's referring to clark and she says she just wants to pull pull them aside and just tell them how mm -hmm. proud of her son she is but she can't right that's such a martha thing to say but then we find out it doesn't come from Martha. It comes from the Martian Manhunter. And, and it's kind of weird because up until that point, he had not been a big Superman supporter, right? In Man of Steel, he was sort of, you know, the gruffy sort of um, war general or whatever he is. And he doesn't give Superman much leeway or much, you know, support, let's call it. But here he is having this moment with Martha, or sorry, having this moment with Lois. And it just felt, I don't know, I, for me, it, it didn't stick the landing. That, that was one of the things that I didn't like. I have a list of things I didn't like. Because it takes the agency away from uh, his mom, for fuck's sakes. And uh, the, the scene that I tweaked me the wrong way a little bit was Alfred mansplaining tea to Wonder Woman. <laughs> That's catty. He's just being catty. Like, come on, dude. <laughs> Five thousand years, she doesn't know how to make tea. Shit, you'll scald the tea. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's I, totally an Alfred thing. But I was just, it, it rubbed me the wrong way a little. 
I saw that scene and I thought, you know, it's, it's meant to be kind of humorous because Alfred is like the control freak at, mm-hmm. you know, he's sort of the one that's supposed to be good at, you know, he's the, he's the home, he's the, the nurturer, he's the caregiver. And he's sort of like control freak at the, to the point where it's like, I don't care if you're it's an Amazonian special. warrior, like, like the tea is my specialty. <laughs> and then he still ends up making, he still ends up making it for her. That's better. I, I'll take it. If, if that's how we want to look at it, I'm about it. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't feel any two ways about it. I just saw, I thought it was meant to be funny, and I, it kind of, it was a little bit of a character thing for him, right? Not so much for her. It was just more of like, yeah, here's Alfred. He's like super, yeah, super yeah, controlling yeah. about shit in his kitchen, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's like I don't know. I didn't, I didn't take too much into it. I didn't think, um, think too much of it. There were some things about this movie that aren't perfect, and that, that's probably leading to me Chocolate. why I, I gave it the rating that I did. Which is for me, it's for me, it's a four out of five. Um, <laughs> no, the entire thing is four out of five. Um, chapter one was okay. I didn't mind all of the, you know, the regurgitated stuff from uh, 2017. Um, a big one that I, mm-hmm. I was like, what the fuck is this? Like the scene with the, uh, was it the Nordic women? When Aquaman is going back into the water. And they're singing that song. First of all, I didn't like unless the song has some significance, which I didn't. I, I didn't have subtitles on, so I don't know what they were saying. Um, I. And then she picks up the sweater, and like, sniffs it. Maybe it was a call out to Aqualad. I thought it was kind of weird. No. I, I didn't think it was necessary. <laughs> um, it could have been cut out. In my opinion. <laughs> okay. I don't know. Yeah, I mean. That scene for sure. That was one of the ones I thought was like, uh, I don't know. This is kind well, of well. That's also Jason kind of Momoa. Kind of, like, she had like a kind of sensual reaction to it too, which is kind of kind of weird. But yeah. well, I mean, yeah, he's a heartthrob, right? Who wouldn't? But <laughs> but like, I don't know. It, it felt kind of weird that you would include that in this cut. You know what I mean? Like, keep that as a deleted scene. I would say this is one for both of you because you mm. guys have very very distinct oh this is my biggest nitpick here like, it is for me, i thought the music um, choices were kind of weird i thought there was too much lightning just everything had lightning going on like the beginning uh when superman's dying it's just lightning and like of course flash lightning yeah yeah um just every power has lightning attached to it i'm like okay let's slow down on this lightning i get it like they're powerful and lightning is probably the one of the most mm-hmm. powerful things. So yeah, cool. I just didn't like, uh, I just watched wonder woman slice through two dudes and there was a little bit of lightning effect. I love that. I'm watching this while we're talking about it. Cause uh, we have the on the spot, uh, references. How yeah, about you, math? Was there stuff that you didn't like? Oh, wait, b- before you go, before you go, can I say my last one? <laughs> I absolutely hated that every time Wonder Woman was in a scene, there's that stupid Wonder Woman music. That ha-la-la-la-la. <laughs> I counted. I, so in my second viewing, I counted it. It happens nine times. It's the same note every time. She gets up on top of a rock. Ha-la-la-la-la. I'm like, what is going on? I think on? it's honestly because doing? the pop was so big get it. She's here. It the first you got time. it. They were just like, yeah, we need to get this pop off okay, every I- time she's on the screen. Every, I bet you anything, man. Like that that set. Every time she showed up on set, they played that on a speaker. <laughs> I love, I love. <laughs> 
It's so dumb. But it wasn't. It's like it wasn't she opened the door. It was the, the, the singing. Yeah. It, no, it wasn't the Wonder Woman like action. It wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't her warrior action theme. The <laughs> issue with you track. It's the. Um, it's like this like Enya style friggin like. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I was just thinking, man. I'm like, Zack Snyder. This is your cut, man. This is the one that people are gonna say, yeah, this is 100% you. This is what you chose to do, man. Like, uh, okay. Oh, oh, chapter one. Go off. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, okay. What, what was uh, what were some of the things? I hate, bro. I I shit you not. Uh, no, Luke. Uh, everyone that's listening, the first twenty minutes into this movie, I was just like, oh no, here we go again. I I, <laughs> I was like, I was just like, oh no, what did I do to myself? Why was I waiting this long, dude? Okay, hold on. So Stephen Wolf shows up. Right, he's here. What's it wasn't that this bad. guy who just appeared out of thin air from this boom tube with, with bat-like creatures that can fly. And your and your solution to this is kill everybody that's in there defending it by toppling the prison into water. They could literally bust a hole in the ceiling and fly out. Like. I mean, these are Amazonian warriors. They they probably would have thought about this. Second, the, yeah. the acting for for the queen. Oh my god, they couldn't find anybody better. Like there was nobody else. Is it the editing, bro? I think it's the editing because they linger on some shots. Like they linger on on her face for it a few was, a few seconds, like a yeah. few frames extra, and, and then, that make it seem like she's supposed to say something or she's supposed to do something, but they they don't cut it. And then when she's running out, when she's running out of the thing, and uh, like we could have done without that shot. I didn't need to see that army come. Like they could have showed it in the background of them like coming down the hill, uh, and then just had uh, Steppenwolf CGI his ass back to wherever he came from with the box. Like we did, we didn't need all that. Um, and then let's see the my my last thing is something yeah. that you guys already touched on. I was really cheesed and peeved that um, Ryan Reynolds wasn't the guy floating on top of uh, Bruce Wayne's <laughs> mansion at the end of the movie. Like, I thought for sure, bro. Ryan Reynolds was tweeting about watching his <laughs> watching Green Lantern for the first time, and like everything, can... everything that was leading up to the moment made me think, "Yo, Ryan Le- Reynolds is in this okay, movie. Yes, he's gonna show up in this movie." <laughs> and and I got a Martian Manhunter. Yeah, we're on the same wavelength because I was watching it um, as I was waiting for it to come out. Was watching uh, online just to see when it gets posted, and then my phone starts buzzing because I follow Ryan Ryan Reynolds on Twitter, and he starts tweeting at Zack Snyder, and he starts tweeting about Green Lantern, and I don't know if I believe him when he says he's never watched it. Maybe I do, maybe I don't, but he's tweeting his reaction to watching the movie Green Lantern that he was in while he's watching it and we're getting the Justice League movie tonight. So I kept thinking, oh my God, oh my God, does he actually show up in this movie? Does he get a redemption as well? Like, does he and Jared Leto get the fix that they, (laughs) do they get fixed in the DCEU? And I was like, oh my God, if he shows up, I'll be like, holy shit, I'll be so happy. But then it didn't happen. And then... That being said, we found out afterwards that 
there was a Green Lantern scene. And so we get and that. during so this rewatch, like, I'm coming up on the part where it, it irked me slightly. Uh, like, though I'm a Superman fan through and through and through and die hard, like the fact that he's about to just like get in there and take a take an axe shot, like it's badass as hell, but it kind of makes chumps out of the rest of them. Like Wonder Woman, you're supposed to be super strong and shit. And then he's just like, yeah, shoulder axe, no problem. And then, you know, like, meanwhile, Aquaman and Wonder Woman have been throwing everything at Steppenwolf possible and nothing. And then, oh, and let's not forget Cyborg's got extra arms. That's dope. Like, when did that happen? Okay, cool. That's pretty much all I needed to say about that. I think this movie did a good job of making everyone seem useful, right? Like, I think we see, like, Wonder Woman and, and Arthur, or Aquaman, sorry. They're mm -hmm. the two heavyweights when Superman's not around, right? They're the two heavy, punch, like, they're the two heavy hitters, right? Um, but even to that point, like, Wonder Woman, she's not as strong as Superman. Uh, Aquaman, he's not as strong as Superman, but together, like him and her together, they might be a percentage of Superman, maybe. But that's where Steppenwolf, because yeah. if you if you watch the fight again, um, you'll see he keeps dividing them, right? Like he keeps sending them off in different directions, right? So, and then Wonder Woman, like even when they try to fight him together, um, he hits Arthur under this like rock, and then the debris starts to fall, and she decides instead of attacking Steppenwolf, where she had a she had a chance to. Um, she goes to save Arthur instead, and that's that's when well, that's... Superman shows up um, <laughs> because he's about to like attack a Cyborg, right? No. And everyone kind of has their their thing that they do, right? Like Batman's not even in that fight; he's outside taking out turrets and stuff, right? Like and Flash is you know running around building up the charge, so everyone's doing their thing, and I think that's what this movie does a, a good job of is making it seem like yeah everyone kind of had something to do which is what i like when you have a team up right i hate when it's like a team up and then you've got the, the two most powerful characters or one most powerful mm -hmm. character doing all the work while the others are just kind of like bystanding or watching or they're fighting like grunts right um everyone kind of did their thing um flash catching all the debris when they save the uh when they save the the captain um, very much yeah scientists remember when the the debris starts falling and he he runs around and he catches every single one like that was yeah that was so cool like you know what i mean like these are you need you need like you needed those characters to do something and that's what this movie did is show you that yeah they each had something to do um was it ex executed perfectly maybe not but at least there was something there versus in the previous movie or the original version or the 2017 version of the movie we didn't get that. We didn't feel like they needed Flash. Mm -hmm. We didn't get that they really needed Cyborg. You know what I mean? Like they really just needed Superman and Wonder Woman. The oh, I missed this one. You kind of the, feel like um, yeah, they all kind of civilians. The civilians moment from 2017 was so Dick Donner's Superman, and that's like that's the Superman that I I truly love. Mm -hmm. Like the one who will stop and save people, no matter what's going on. That's that's for me. That's my Superman, and like I get it. This is Snyder's Superman, yeah. where he's just super kick-ass in a black suit. He does. He yeah. goes up, gets his Christ pose on, and then goes and saves the 
saves the day, which is fine, well and dandy. And uh, like, but the 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 2017 version of him, him saving an apartment while the Flash saves a a stupid family. God, I hated that family. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Fuck that. That sucks so hard. Uh, anyway, like that, the, that moment is my Superman. And when they brought in the Dick Donner theme for it, it really did strike home. And it got me all teary eyed when I watched it the first time because that to me was beautiful. And they did that in Smallville and they did that like uh, in Superman Returns, which everybody hated. And I didn't mind that much. Like I get it. He only fought a big rock, but I've, I've got my whatever. I'm going to stop talking about that now. <laughs> no, I, I think uh, there's, there's a part of me that agrees with you. And then the part of me that says like, I really like the, the man of steel theme for Superman. Um, when he shows up and they do play it. Um, so I like both versions, but if you ask me to pick and have only one, um, I would probably go with this one just because I like it a bit more. It seems to be the version that we got with Henry Cavill and, you know, with, even with, when you look at the Nolan universe, right? We never got the the Danny Elfman theme. Mm-hmm. We didn't really miss it because we got so many other themes that are also iconic now, right? For for the Nolan verse. Um, so like, I get where you're coming from. Like, these are the heroes and these are the themes that we remember. But like, we got the animated stuff. We got the you if know, I want to watch enough time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, you're totally opinion. right. Great to get you off there. Um, um, so yeah, I guess last thing. If I want to watch the Dick Donner ones, I can go back and do that. Yeah. And I'm, we're sure to get some sort of reference to to that again in, in the future, right? Like, yes. It's just Snyder doing his Snyder thing. Um, but that will lead me to like my maybe my last question for you guys which is you know we we all liked it we had a lot to say about it clearly we were almost two hours in where do we go from here uh we know that there are a few movies coming out i mentioned earlier there's the new gods movie that's coming out there's the aquaman 2 movie that's coming out there's wonder woman 3 that's coming out we're getting a black adam movie and then we're getting shazam 2 and then we're getting a flash movie so where after all of those movies come out which is going to be over the next few years where where does the dceu go from here what happens now that the snyder cut has um, happened like money talks bullshit walks <laughs> that's what i feel about the dc universe and where it's going down i think it's all going to come down to how many subscriptions were generated by by people that wanted to watch this movie how many how many subs did they pick up and how many subs did they retain right i i think if this was theatrical it would have done the same thing it would have been like how much money did this movie make and that's the deciding factor if it doesn't make a lot of money then they'll continue with patman and see where his robin comes from yeah, I mean, WB doesn't seem to be able to catch a break when it comes to, like, you know, yeah. helming their movies under Disney's reign. Kevin Feige, or however you say his last name, was able to sort of, like, map out this amazing sort of 23-movie saga and sort of cultivate this universe with all these characters and do it such almost like clockwork. But with WB, it doesn't seem like any of these guys are talking to each other. It doesn't seem like... The guy that's working on Justice League is talking to the person working on Suicide Squad and 
uh, and who's working on Suicide Squad is not talking to the person that's working on New Gods or the Flash movie or whatever the case. Like, there's so much segmentation, and I don't know why they don't see that they need to have some sort of unity, not only in their characters, but in their actual like framework for making these movies. I, I think that that, that comes down to the fact that the whole point of this movie is to stop the unity. <laughs> you know what? It, it's 100% true. The number one villain for the Justice League is not Darkseid. It is WB. Like if they had somebody that they were all reporting to, we'd, we'd probably get better movies, man. Like there has to be somebody that's controlling the main narrative that that's the subplot to all movies that should have been snyder and when when they when they gave up on on it because it was too dark we can't sell enough action figures of batman bro no matter what you do you will sell a batman action figure he's batman uh, like a, a dark pg-14 rated r movie isn't going to stop you from selling batman action figures yeah for sure i mean i i don't know why there's so much segmentation i don't know why they don't understand that they need to have unity we thought jeff johns was going to be the guy that's going to be the head of like the dc movies and the franchise but with everything happening right now i don't know how much longer jeff johns is going to be sticking around with all the investigation everything's happening but they don't have that unity they don't have someone and we thought maybe james Wan, after being the first director to, to crack that billion mark um, with Aquaman of all movies in the world for DC to hit that billion dollar mark it was Aquaman and that just goes to show like if you have a director with a vision who does his thing and sticks within a, a certain framework can get you the numbers that you want but also unite the fans and have, have that like good reaction positive reaction don't you think you need more of that so why not do that I don't understand what hap- what's happening over at WB but uh, we've got what six movies they've Shazam lined up for too. the DCEU that's you know kind of tied to this, kind of not tied to this. Um, I forgot to mention Suicide Squad 2 is coming out really soon. Shazam 2, uh, Black Adam, Wonder Woman 3, Aquaman 2, New Gods. What are they going to do? And then, also, don't forget Michael the Flash movie, which is going to include Ben Affleck's Batman. Um, I think also Michael Keaton's Batman. Yeah. So we know we're getting a, a multiverse style movie, right? So that's why I'm like wondering, what's their plan here? Like, it opens the door for them, right? Like, the, you have endless possibilities as, as a studio as to what you can do. You've uh, pretty much kind of given a way to tie your your cinematic universe into your TV properties at the CW. Um, your your new movies that are coming out can take place in a completely different timeline or universe, and that's why you have different actors portraying the characters. You can always come back to this storyline if that fails, as long as the actors are willing to. And I'm pretty sure as a, as long as they, exactly. a lot of these actors are willing to come back and do these movies if Snyder's coming back for it. Um, ben might not. <laughs> um, I think Ben might because he, there's a redemption to his character in this movie that that was completely uh, destroyed. Like the Batman who laughs we got in 2017. Well, versus the Batman that we got here in the Snyder Cut are completely two different. We can talk about that epilogue and then we can probably wrap it up, but let's talk about that Joker scene for a sec, right? That's probably the part of the movie that doesn't fit well with the other pieces because there's so much going on in that, that one conversation. Like that scene, we get so much in that scene. We find out 
Mm-hmm. We find out uh, Arthur's dead. We find out Lois is Death dead. Deathstroke find out Harley doesn't Quinn end is up dead. killing Batman. Right. <laughs> like so, it didn't matter um, that. Uh, yeah. Didn't matter that he knew that it was Bruce mm-hmm. Wayne. It's such a it's such a big tease. It's like someone wrote. I think the, one of the reviewers wrote. You know, this is one of the biggest. You know, if I had got to do the movie I wanted to do, this would have been a lead up to the yeah. next movie. But too bad it's not happening. <laughs> it's like, you know. Right. So I don't know. There's a lot. I mean, this is stuff that we can talk about as fans that some of these reviewers didn't really, they can't do because they're not fans. And if they are fans, you know, they're not, I was just going to say like, these are some of the reasons why we can say that we like the movie is because it has all these like little subtle like like, onion. nudges. Like to things, the, right? the visuals on top of visuals. Zack Schneider is a cinematographer first and foremost. And all of the, all of the story is, in each shot so you know like the people who parsed wandavision for every little easter egg if they put that same amount of effort into this movie the universe will become just so much richer it'll be wonderful but i don't have time for that (laughs) (laughs) i don't know those are pretty much my thoughts on the movie for me it was a good movie much better than the 2017 justice league that we got is it perfect not entirely but i'll take it over that trash any day my likelihood of rewatching it is going to be solely based on whether i get it on dvd and i can skip certain chapters because like jamath some of them for me were not as rewatchable but definitely that last scene with the flash is my favorite thing about the movie overall thesis or overall thoughts on the movie guys you guys are are likely to uh, give it a high rating, uh, rating. if it was What's out of 10 i'd give it an eight if it was out of five i'd give it a four fan service guys this movie is fan service this was uh schneider made this for the fans if you're a casual fan you can get through it uh, you'll love it if you can get past chapter one if you're not <laughs> if you're not a fan and you're clueless going into this movie this ain't marvel you're not going to be given all the information that you need to come to a complete complete story but if you pay close enough attention the movie will make sense you just got to go back and watch man of steel then BVS, then this movie. Well said. Uh, I'm in agreement with you guys. Uh, is it a four-star movie? I think it's a four-star movie for me as well. There's a lot of fat that could be trimmed for me. Just making it the smidge shorter would have been great. But I don't want any of any piece cut out. I just want him to not rely so heavily on slow-mo because you could do such cool things and you know he he had to know we'd be re-watching and re-watching and re-watching so you could do things that are, don't have to be in slow-mo but again he's a cinematographer so he wants those beautiful sexy shots with lightning bolts through like <laughs> for him uh for snyder is lightning bolts is to snyder as lens flares are to abrams yeah so in all in all here on nerd gab our overall census is this is four out of five lens flares for Zack snyder's justice league i just wanted to say guys 
<laughs> Thank you for uh, jumping on today, uh, for following up after our initial conversation a week ago before the release of the movie. We talked about what our anticipations were for it coming up. And now that we were able to reconvene and talk about it after seeing it, thank you for joining uh, and sharing your thoughts. This My. episode ran a lot longer than I expected <laughs> it to. We're at two and a half hours almost, but I'll definitely trim it down as much as I can. Yeah, no, I appreciate you guys jumping on, man. Uh, if there's anything else you want to say, don't forget, you you can always comment and stuff on the on the posts on, on social media and twitter at nerd underscore gab and on instagram at nerd gab and uh hopefully look forward to bringing you guys back on when we do the uh the robert the pattinson, pattinson batman i love it uh, and movie i'm saying Matthews. this as joking but not joking yeah. like share and subscribe <laughs> y'all yeah <laughs> And that pretty much wraps it up for us at the end of the post-Snyder Cut discussion. I know it was a long one, and if you made it this far into the episode, I sincerely, sincerely thank you. And I hope you're following me on Instagram and Twitter, because I definitely love to hear your thoughts. Thank you for listening.